Welcome to Too Deep Hokies Under the Influence. My name is Pete Berthod, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. Virginia Tech lost to Notre Dame 45-23. Robbie, I'm getting a little tired of coming on this podcast after a big nationally televised game against a top 10 team and the same result every single time and feeling foolish that we have a chance every single time. How are you feeling? Well, yeah, at least the, we know everybody was watching us lose, so that that was good. So the the prime the ratings were way up. I think it was the second highest rated game of the day. So we may have lost, but everybody saw us loss. Lose. <laughs> Is that so good they, or bad? <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I'm not so sure sure whether I want to answer that question. All right, give us a cheers, man. Uh, I'll do a cheers to uh, I think the Notre Dame fans. I, I don't know about you, but they travel pretty well. There weren't as many Notre Dame fans there as I expected, but generally nice people, a lot of the good people that I met, um, you know, throughout the game day and just walking around on the streets of Blacksburg, we were there. So that, uh, and also cheers just to the fan base. You can say whatever you want about this game, but the fans showed up. Uh, the stripes worked out almost you know, pristine. It looked I watched good. the game it again. It looked real good. Yeah, so uh, I would also give a big shout out to the fans uh, that uh, yeah we can show up, be that loud, and afterwards Ian Book said he'll remember this game you know for the rest of his life in terms of being in that type of atmosphere when he got interviewed, which I also thought was really cool. So let's just do a cheers to um, and be um, you know graceful losers, I guess, and and that is the best way to probably put it because uh, it was a good game. We had Notre Dame in our house, and that makes it fun. Cheers. It was fun, man. And we were in Blacksburg. Me and you, we were at Mellow Mushroom, got a little food, then headed over to Tots, then a little tailgating. We did it all. We saw a lot of different people throughout the couple days we were down there and generally just had a blast. Friday night was fun. And Saturday night could have been a little bit more fun had we won the game. But I still (laughs) managed to get to Tots, got to the line, in the middle of the fourth quarter because, yeah, I had to leave a little bit early. We we're getting our butts kicked. And, um, you know, a little, little bit of mixed drinks, a little, maybe a taste of a rail. But uh, ultimately, a fun weekend, but it could have been so much better. Let's talk about the news and notes. AP poll, we are out of the poll. Notre Dame moved up one spot. Now they're number five. Miami is number 16, also one spot up after escaping against Florida State. Goodness gracious, I, I can't believe the score. We were watching a lot of the games at Tots, and when the score popped up, and it's like, are you kidding me? FSU is up 20-7? to 7? Yeah, they came from behind and just squeezed that one out. It was incredible. And then NC State is number 20. Now, NC State doesn't play this weekend, but next weekend they play Clemson, and that is going to be very interesting. I'm not sure where the game is, if it's in Raleigh. I think it's in Raleigh. Yeah, and I think it is. If they somehow pull that off, I don't think they're going to lose. I mean, who who are they going to lose to in the Atlantic? You know, I don't think there's anybody left. I mean, they're and they're they're playing really really good football. They would have had that game against West Virginia, right. which got canceled, and we'd probably have a good measuring stick for what they are as a team if we had seen that game. So this will be the real kind of first chance to see what they can put out on the field. Yeah, and 
it would be something if they pulled it off. It's that's that's a big if. Clemson, when they have to play good and know they have to play good, they typically play good. And they already had their scare this year. Wipe the floor with Wake Forest. Not that that was super surprising, but it'll be good. And you're right. We don't know anything about NC State. The best team they played is probably BC, and BC was making a comeback at the end of the game without AJ Dillon. So we'll see how we'll see how it goes. Adazio, well, come on, man, <laughs> you got to help me out. We are 47th in the S&P Plus, dropped, uh, I guess that's 12 spots. Not super surprising. Nothing of note to talk about there, really. Um, The next thing I had is kind of interesting news. Devin Hunter is going to redshirt. And he put out a couple tweets last night saying it was no one else's but his decision, which is interesting when you redshirt because usually you think of that as a coach's decision. But... Maybe they had a conversation about it. Maybe the coaches led him to believe it was his decision. I don't know. But Fuente was saying that there's room to grow for him and that on Tech Talk Live, he kind of indicated the coaches made the decision. I don't know. It's it's kind of a funny thing. Yeah. That, well, first one, I, I didn't have the I didn't have confirmed I didn't read the confirmation that he was redshirting when I saw that tweet and you and I went back and forth. We were like, is he transferring or is he redshirting? <laughs> so uh, I'm glad that he is redshirting versus uh, transferring. There was a lot of parallels that people put out on Twitter about Ricky Walker, who also had the same situation pop up. Oh yeah, and that's true. Yeah. Yeah. That he, he redshirted um, in a weird situation as a sophomore as well. So Listen, if if he's redshirting and he's sticking with the program, I actually see that as a net positive. I know everybody wants him to you know start and be on the field and all of those things, but I think it shows that the team or the team and the coaches believe in him enough that they they want him in the program. They just think it's going to take a little longer for him to develop. And you know, look at look at Ricky Walker. If you need to look any further than that, then. Um, you know he's he's done fantastic for the program in a, in a similar type of situation. Not as highly touted as a, of a recruit coming out, yeah. But um, ended up paying dividends for Virginia Tech. The last thing I had was Diablo was a late scratch in this game, and neither of us even knew that he had a hammy thing. Uh, and he was practicing and warming up, I think, before the game, and then he couldn't go. And so Tyree Rogers actually started the game at free safety. Fuente said he was proud of how Rodgers played. I am not necessarily a good enough X's and O's guy to tell you how good or bad he played. Uh, but losing Diablo yet again, it, he, the oft-injured Diablo, it's not his fault. You know, Maybe his body's just not agreeing with the game. I don't know. But he's had a lot of hype and a lot of conversation, and he's played in very few games at Tech. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the games that he has played in, he's played – exceptional in, in comparison to maybe what we have seen. So, um, and, and I get your point. I don't know if it's hype as much as that people just want to see him out on the field. And, you know, I feel bad that, you know, his body's not agreeing with him, and, you know, he's having, he's having difficulties. So, um, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that our, 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 we are better as a defense when he's on the field. And I think it's been shown every single team or, or every single time that we're, we're out there, um, he it, he improves the defense a lot, so we'll see um, what ends up happening. It was it sucked because we could have used him in that game. Oh, yeah. I think. I mean, he, I you're mean, right. When he's been on the field, he's been very very good. He improves the defense, 
So we want him out there. They didn't do the thing last time, though, where they move Ladler back to free safety and let Devin Hunter play whip. And I guess maybe the redshirt decision was already in the works. But, um, yeah, they, they decided that they just rather play someone else at free safety and keep Ladler at whip because that's where he's best. So, Yep. All right, let's do the game recap. Let's start that off by just saying the entrance was good. <laughs> and then the game may be not as good as the entrance. Enter Sandman, Stripe Stadium, jumping, the fans singing Enter Sandman after the music stopped. I tweeted about that. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, and they've, on that game, they played the music out loud longer. Normally they stop it right after and they cut over to the band. If you ever notice, it's one of my biggest... And, and believe me, I love the band and all of that, but I just always thought the hype and when you hit the punchline of the song that uh, it should carry on a little bit longer, and they did that. They played it for an entire another verse of the song that they usually don't do, and then the fans were so into it, they just kept singing it even beyond that, which was kind of cool. Um, plus, the whole Metallica, them um, you know, putting up on the screen and them like chirping in was pretty cool uh, as well. Yeah, it was it was a good start to the game. And the crowd was so fired up, I thought we were just going to stuff them three and out on that first series. And they even had maybe an issue on that series. Like, you could tell they were a little rattled by the sound. And they got a third down, and then they got a 15-yard face mask call, and they went right down the field and scored a touchdown on the first drive. And so little air out of the whole building on that one. And Book was sharp early. He, I think he hit his first seven or eight passes – they went down the field again and added a field goal on the second drive. So eight minutes in, we're down 10 to nothing. We answered in a huge way with a trick play TD pass from Grimsley to Savoy, and the crowd was going nuts, and it wasn't a touchdown. I was in the air screaming. There was an old guy sitting next to me. We were high-fiving, and then I saw the flag, and my heart just like – it just like like – it just, I was just so upset. Oh, it was man. such a nice play, and because the crowd so did well a scripted. full celebration, because we couldn't see any flags, or at least I didn't see a flag. I didn't see or hear the ref. The fireworks went off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they they shot the fireworks for the 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 score as well. It that was demoralizing in a lot of ways. So we ended up with a field goal after six minutes of possession on that drive. We added another field goal and made it ten to six five minutes into the second quarter. The defense really clamped down in that quarter, and we made it down to the one-yard line after a beautiful run by Stephen Peoples. And famously, we couldn't punch it in. We had to settle for a third field goal, and that is when disaster started to strike for the team because we had the ball, we're driving down the field potentially to take a lead into the half, and Willis gets knocked around, fumble, scoop and score for Notre Dame. The I mean, talking about the air going out earlier, I mean, you could hear a pin drop in the stadium after that. They're up 17 to nine at that point. There's a minute left in the half. And to the team's credit and to Willis's credit, they went down the field, scored our first TD on the pass to Hazleton. Hazleton continues to score touchdowns like clockwork. I was so impressed down only one point of the half due to that drive. 52 seconds, I think it took them to drive the whole length of the field. Uh, it, there was... Well, we'll get into our thoughts about the performance from from the the offense and from Willis. Um, 
but needless to say, that showed a lot of brass, I think, from this this team. Yeah, it kind of showed you what this team can be made of in, in the clutch. But that's kind of where VT's game ended. Unfortunately, games have two halves. <laughs> and when the second half started, our game ended. Notre Dame scored the next three touchdowns, starting with the 97-yard run by Williams. There's a little bit of an over-pursuit by Caleb Farley. I think Ladler or Gaines was chasing him, couldn't catch him. At least one of them was up in the stands. I think they 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 over pursued that much that like I think they were sitting next to me at some point. <laughs> and after those three touchdowns in a row by Notre Dame in the third and fourth quarter, they were up thirty eight sixteen. The writing was on the wall. We scored a garbage time touchdown. Williams added another TD at the end for Notre Dame, and the final was forty five twenty three. It looked much more dominating than it was. I think. I think I think both teams played about equal in the first half. But let's save our reactions until we get Don on the line because we want to kind of go over the stats and get his take on things as we're also reacting. And if anyone's heard Don's podcast, Don V Fridays, uh, you'll know he has a little bit of a different style than we do. And so it's going to be interesting to see how uh, the two sides kind of the culture clash of, of our two podcasts and, and how they react to the game. So let's get Don on the line. We are now welcoming in Don V of the Don V Fridays podcast. Don, thanks for coming on with us, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. You sound a little somber. Um, if you listen to Don's podcast, you'll know that he's very colorful. Sometimes the language can be colorful as well. And we've been known to curse a little bit too. So if you've got kids listening, Maybe uh, go in the other room or something or, you know, turn it off in the car, listen to it later, because the reactions to this game could get a little fiery and uh, just just a fair warning for everyone. But I want to go back to... Yeah, had to turn, had to turn. (laughs) (laughs) I want to go back to that point in the third and fourth quarter when the game was in hand and we are clearly going to lose and probably lose by a couple scores. How were you feeling in that moment, and how did it contrast to where you were before the game? Because I thought you were kind of feeling good before the game. It felt like, I don't know, I guess we get so used to it, like, oh, here go again, that I was more just, like, over it than anything. Um, and then Youngin with the green hair ran the touchdown in. <laughs> oh, man, that's the one. That was the one. That's why I went to a dark place. I, I was streaming live, like, my reactions. And then Youngin with the green in the back of his head, yep, ran the touchdown, <laughs> and that's when I was ready to like, like end it all, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, so man. yeah, because before the game, you thought we might at least cover the spread, if not pull off the upset. I, I was listening to your podcast last week, and I've listened to a fair amount of them. And you're, you know, you talked a lot of crap before FSU, and you were right on on that one. You you called that one a mile away. And on this one, there wasn't so much crap talking, but you were definitely feeling positive about Virginia Tech. Yeah, definitely. I was definitely feeling positive coming into this game because I feel like offensively, we got the uh, weapons that can, we can play with anybody in the country except Alabama. Nobody can play with them. But I think we got off- the offense to play with anybody. Defense, I knew we was going to give up something right. against, you know, Ian Book, you know. But I was confident that we could at least play with Notre Dame. I mean, well, I didn't think uh, we could beat them, to be totally honest. But I knew, I knew we could play with them. But 
Yeah, and I want to kind of talk about our quarterback, too, a little bit here. And when me and Robbie react to the game and kind of go over things, we go over all the stats and stuff, and Willis wasn't as good in this game, clearly, but it was a really tough defense. He still threw for 309 yards, two touchdowns, and just the one interception late that was, you know, garbage time anyway. But, man, he can make some amazing throws. Ryan Willis, and I I was thinking because he was from Kansas, he had to be traded. No, Ryan Willis can play though. <laughs> Ryan Willis, dog. If Ryan Willis, if you listening, my boy, I apologize. I thought you was trash, my boy. I thought nothing good came out of Kansas <laughs> for corn. And hey, you shut me up. And 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 I and I don't want anybody to take it, but I'm gonna just say this because I was one of the people that was down on Ryan Willis in the summertime, and people kept tweeting me like, "No, man, Ryan Willis is good." And I'm like, "He's from Kansas. I don't want to hear it." And um, I was wrong. Like, I sit up here and say I was wrong, and I'm happy that I'm wrong. I'm not oh, one yeah. of those people that dig into my opinion that, oh, it's John Jackson have over here, so I don't no. Nah, best quarterback should play. So God bless Ryan Willis. Yeah, it's interesting. But, Why do you think he didn't win the job over the summer? Because it's kind of mystifying to a lot of the fan base, but I wanted to get your take on that just because I think me and Robbie have an idea of why Josh was the starter at the beginning of the season. I think it came down to just Fuente and uh, everybody was just comfortable with Josh. You know, they know Josh ain't going to do nothing crazy, turn the ball over. Like the fumble that Ryan had before halftime, I don't think Josh would ever do something like that or try something like that. They know that. So I think they were just comfortable yeah. with Josh. Yeah. I, 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 and Robbie, I think that's your take as well in terms of taking care of the football. Yeah, I think Josh Jackson was just kind of a known quantity. He throws the ball out when he gets, you know, gets in a bad spot. Ryan Willis showed every reluctance to throwing the ball out of bounds that he possibly could. So, I uh, totally totally agree that they they got comfortable and um Fuente, I've said this since he started like Fuente has made it a point. He will always start the quarterback that just protects the football, regardless of whether they're more talented, they can do more for the team. He does not care about anything else other than ball protection in some instances. And this, I think it was one of them. Yeah. And in this game, it's interesting because yeah, you might say Willis did that fumble and Josh wouldn't do that. But at the same time, there were parts of that game that Josh couldn't have done. And so is the end result the same? Maybe so. I I don't really know. Do you, Don, do you think Josh could have won that game? Do you think it would have been closer if Josh had started? Nah, we would have got flexed if Josh flexed. <laughs> Josh would not have thrown for 300. How many yards you said? 309. Josh would have threw for like 170 something. <laughs> yeah. It would, it, it would have been ugly, though. Eventually, Notre Dame would have put 12 in the box, and that game would have got ugly early. They'd have like, nah, he ain't, Youngin ain't throwing on us. He got a curl. He ain't throwing on us. <laughs> but I think I think um, Ryan Willis backed them up, though, and they opened up the run game. We could... That's an elite defense we played too, though. So, no, for sure. The throw for three oh nine, and it wasn't just garbage passing yards. He was hitting them all game, though. No, he was. He he can really get the ball to the sideline like Josh never could, and that's really the difference. Yeah, the play calling I think came into question, at least for Robbie and I. Only sixty four yards for Peoples on nine attempts, so he's averaging seven point one every carry. And we just didn't run the ball that much early. Robbie, you kind of felt like that was by design, perhaps? 
I, I mean, it, it ended up working out in some instances. You know, we 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 manipulated the defense, and then it ended up like paying off. So on people's long run, we had thrown like six or seven consecutive passes, and then people, you know, has a whatever sixty-five yard run on and rush and ends up at the one yard line. But I still wish that we ran more. I mean, it, it may have been by design, but I still don't think it was the right the right call because it was working pretty well. I mean, people's looked good. McLeese looked good in certain instances. It it just it seemed we we were fifty two passes. It was seven more than ever happened under Fuente, and it's like twenty more than we usually average per game. It yeah, was it like was too insane. Many. It was too many. Don, would you agree with that? Do you think we got a little too pass happy? Would you have wanted to see some more like runs earlier? Do you thought that with Willis behind no. center, that was the way to go? No, I, I like the game plan. Um, I like the game plan all the way because, I mean, like I said in the last podcast, Notre Dame probably wanted us to just run into that front seven all night and play us like how I played them like how Stanford played them, uh, and how Michigan played them. Teams with the elite front sevens, they don't care if you run all night; like they'll just stuff it all night. Unless you're playing Bama or somebody. Yeah, and I think Fuente decided in the Duke game and in the Notre Dame game, like they got su- they got like really tough fronts, they got tough linebackers. I'm just not gonna run into the teeth of that defense over and over again. And he decided to pick his spots. And like Robbie said, like if you're running a lot early, y- you might not get those big runs later. You know, those were because they were deceived by the pass. So it kind of all works in harmony. Uh Let's go over some of the good things, and then we'll get into like some of the more frustrating things of the game. This kid, Hazleton, is <laughs> so freaking good. Don, what's been your reaction to his play this year? 12 receptions and 131 yards and a touchdown in this game. He's been unreal. He's been, I don't even want to say a pleasant surprise. He's the best receiver on the team, and that's the, and I feel vindicated because I went on the Florida State podcast. It's called Chopping It Up. Oh, my, that's one of my homeboys, his podcast. And I said, in the summertime, we got a transfer from Ball State, and everybody started dying last. Ah, Ball State, fuck out of here, type shit. So, um, <laughs> and I was like, no, but he, I'm, I'm telling you, I see the games in the weight room. Dude, look like he's gonna be a monster. And the fact that he little boy Levante Taylor on the first drive, everybody, oh yeah, the Ball State dude, yeah, shut up, yeah, <laughs> shut ass so much. But um, I love Damon Hazelton. Man is a bully. Uh. A potential GOAT candidate. I, I give our GOAT candidates early. I, I can look at Tyler and say, this man could be a GOAT. Isaiah Ford, I love you, my boy, but somebody's on your tail, my boy. That's Damon Hazelton. <laughs> well, it's interesting because Hazelton, he is on pace for over 1,000 yards. That's something that we didn't think even we, – we thought he'd be good. We didn't think he was going to get to 1,000 uh, just because the ball would be spread around, Kuma and Patterson and Savoy. Like, we was a lot of options. I thought he'd get 500, 600, whatever. But he's got almost 500 yards in five games, and unfortunately we lost a game. I don't know if we're going to end up getting that 12th game back, but he's on pace for over 1,000 mm-hmm. even still, even in 11 games. And if he does that, he'd only be the second receiver to do it behind Isaiah Ford. And – I don't know if Hazleton will be here beyond this year. That's the scary part is that he's going to be so good by the end of this year. His stats will look so good that he can leave. He's already had three years after high school. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. 
<laughs> yeah, we're, yeah, that, that's it's like the recognition you, that he's that feeling when that hits, man. That's not good. I hope he doesn't leave. Yeah. I'll tell you that. Yeah. yeah, he can he can bounce he can bounce on us though for real. Oh, um, I hope. I mean, I, what's best for him, of course. But I would love to have him back next year. Wow, he's nasty. He's he's tall. He's lengthy. He knows how to control. You know, he's. I think Isaiah Ford was like the iconic body control, get up in the air. I think Hazleton is incredible in so many different different ways that like he's a great route runner. He he can and with the size and that just changes up the whole game for, for what we're seeing on the offense. Um without him, this offense would be completely different. It would be different. I will say you'd have more catches from Kuma and Grimsley, Kuma and Savoy all had four catches in this game. Kuma with the nice TD catch at the end, although it was what you'd call garbage time. He made a really nice play on the ball. The ball was beautiful, too, coming out of Willis's hand. That touchdown pass was sweet. In terms of the bad things, we got to get touchdowns instead of field goals, man. That The stuff on those three plays at the one with the last one, they, they're colliding in the backfield. I mean, I know me and Robbie are proponents of running the football in those situations. I thought maybe a toss-up, too. Hazleton might have helped in that situation. It just seemed like as soon as Notre Dame's line did that first down stop, we weren't getting in. Did you have any thoughts on that, Don, of that goal line stand? Was that uh, was that the difference in the game? I mean, if we get that touchdown, does it change the game at all, or do you think the end result is still kind of the same? It's, it's, a, it's definitely a different ball game. It's a couple plays that stick on my mind, like the, the call that got – I mean, the touchdown that got called back in the first quarter. It's a whole lot of plays that uh, we left out there on the field. But I chalked that goal line stand up to the game. There was no today. That's one of the best D-lines we're going to face. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, and there were so many mistakes in this game. I mean, like you said, the penalties and the missed field goals and the choosing to kick a 52-yard field goal at the end. I know it's getting at the end, but, like, what are we even doing, doing something like that? Like, it's fourth and seven. You're gonna kick a 52 yard field goal. Did, does that make sense to either of you guys? Nah, Fuente <laughs> was bugging. Punt the ball. Do anything. Literally, anything else but put that. The, <laughs> put the ball on the ground and then walk into the locker room and just like it, that. That was insane. Also, uh, just going back to the on the. I watched it again like three times just because I'm a psycho. On the first and one, that was a touchdown. By the way. Um, the just first so down we know, it, Peoples was pushed up against the people. Peoples was over the line, so I, looked, I watched it, it repeatedly. So you know that that didn't help either. But the calls, I mean, you're you know Don's got it. You're you're basically running into one of the best defensive lines in in the country. There's you're not that's not going to work out well, or or at least be consistent, right? Like if you're going to run it up the gut twice. Just run it up the gut the third time. Don't like try and like you know run whatever that was. Uh, yeah, I don't um, know what it was. I don't I, know what I, it was going to be. <laughs> I couldn't even figure out what the that play was call the, was. That was the Romo Pepsi commercial play right there. Remember that one? That <laughs> yeah. was the far large jump right there. They ran some Pepsi bullshit on that one. Let's talk about the defense a little bit. I, they fought the entire first half. We had the interception by Floyd. Unfortunately, he fell down right afterwards. That that could have potentially gone for six. Uh, and unfortunately, I said to Robbie earlier, the game has two halves because in the second half, it started off with that terrible run fit and Dexter Williams going all the way down the field. The run D in general 
has been pretty darn good for most of the year. But we just had those two plays, the Cam Akers play and this Dexter Williams play. Uh, it, it was disappointing. How did you think the defense played, Don? But what we got, they played well. And, and as far as the two plays, I mean, it's one common denominator. I don't want to call no kids out, but it's one common denominator on both them plays. It can't make this one and the that with Dexter. What? What is that, buddy, with the green hair? Williams, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's it's one common denominator, and it, you know, he shouldn't even be in that position. Honestly, he's not ready. So, I mean, hopefully he'll get it together. But yeah. the defense played well, considering. No, I, w- I would say so. And and they got tired in the second half. And once that run happened, I mean, the crowd was out of it. And, and the team got a little bit out of it, too. And when your offense just can't do anything, it, what do you expect the defense is going to do? Robbie, what did you think about our play, you know, and just from the defensive side of the ball? Like, I got maybe want to talk about the first half more than the second half. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't. The 97-yard touchdown from the three-yard line, first of all, that's just that's just. That's just bad play calling on Bud Foster. Like, like that's overconfidence when you have youth, right? Like you know you have youth. You can't expose yourself that much. I know that the players didn't execute that the way they should, and they left that huge gap. But that's like you know, let's pin them down. It's like well, you pin them down when you have experienced players that know what they're supposed to do and their assignments are in the right place. And guess what? They didn't play their assignments right. And what happened? There was literally a 10-yard hole for a running back to barrel through. Yeah. Um, that that was really, really annoying. Um, I thought that we got lucky in a lot of instances. Ian, Ian Book missed, I think it was four passes downfield that could have gone for touchdowns yeah, that were wide-open wide receivers. Um, so, we, you know, we can talk about the other side and what we could have done to keep the game close, but we got lucky because they, they were wide, wide open receivers yeah. in the backfield. And then to the positive, I think, uh, Rashad Ashby was awesome. I mean, his name came up again and again. He was all over the place. I thought he played really, really well in a lot of instances. So, you know, if I had to take it in, in in total, those were my three takeaways from right. from the game, and I'm really excited about Ashby. Yeah, and going up against Ian Book and Miles Boykin, like, what can you do? Boykin is unfrickin' believable. We talked about him in our preview, but he was even better than uh, we. Like, what are you gonna do with that guy? I mean, he he's a beast. And what what do you think about Ian Book and their receivers, Don? I had only watched the Stanford game for Ian Book. But I thought he was trash because then last year he came in in the Miami game and he got turnover chained. I'm like, oh, yeah, buddy, career over. <laughs> but he should get off, though. And and he's playing some great football right now. Hopefully it's just a magic carpet ride because don't nobody want to see Notre Dame prosperous. We all want to <laughs> see them lose. Don't want to see Brian Kelly, old leprechaun, no. fucking ass, <laughs> celebrating on my field, man. Don't nobody want to see that. I don't yeah. want to – I mean, but, but uh, Boykin can play. Uh, and book book he missed some passes, but he can sling that bit. He definitely better than Wimbush. Oh no, he missed zero passes. Celebrating from like from what? like a, a screen pass to like ten yards or fifteen yards, he missed I think zero passes. Yeah, and beyond that, he missed almost every pass. But that kid is dangerous at like an eight yard pass, like downfield on a screen or slant and or whatever, like. He's just he's just nasty. Yeah, he can was, really get the ball to the sidelines too. It's 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 
it's kind of amazing. I, I think at some point we started to bait him into throwing deep just so we could like take a respite and get a third down. Cause it's like, Oh, you got a guy wide open down here. Throw to him because we know you can't hit him. But if he's got a, a 20 yard out, like the ball is on the money. It, it's, it was kind of funny how that worked out. 71% completion for him two seventy one, two TDs and the INT for him, a 78.1 QBR. Uh, it was, it was a good performance. Uh, and they, you know, they're in our house and, Lane was rocking, and I'll give Notre Dame credit because I thought after Stanford, we were going to be able to knock them off. I really felt like the spot was right in the season, and they they were ready for Lane. And Herb Street had kept talking about how they were preparing all summer to come to Lane. I mean, that, that's kind of flattering in a way, but they were that's ready. Crazy. They were kind of ready. How much better than us? are they Don? Like, do you think it's like a standard deviation better? Is it just like, you know, if we are a little bit older, if like we had Mook and Adonis, do we win that game? Like how, how close are we, we to win that game? <laughs> we win that game. Uh, if we had Mook, Adonis, Trayvon, you know, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, if wishes were fishes, right. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, like I said, offensively, I think we up there with them. It's just the depth on defense. Because I don't even think defensively we're not there. I just think we got the depth of a Conference USA team. And that's what get us killed in these games every time. Same, same story. Um, it's always like that. We always got talent on the surface. But once you get down, once one person get hurt or one person transfer, you you look like – I'm trying to think of a team. So you do like Tulsa or somebody on defense. It's crazy. But that's my life. <laughs> well, I want to talk about the rest of the season. Um, and we're 2-0 and in the conference. And there's many winnable games on this schedule. We And those two wins that we do have are on the road. And now we're going for our third road game in UNC in one of those winnable games. So if you somehow come away mm-hmm. with a third road win in the ACC – you know, there's only five games left, and four of them are at home. So you're sitting real pretty. How do you think the rest of the season's going to go for us, Don? And, and and you can you know talk about UNC too, but I kind of want to get your thoughts because you were saying if we win a few more games, you're going to start believing. <laughs> what well, I think you put it, believing the lies again. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start lying. I'm gonna start lying again. We we go undefeated from now to November 17th. I'm definitely getting back lying. But um. <laughs> We had eight win team. We had eight win team. I said if we win six games, I got to deactivate my Twitter because people were talking crazy in the summertime. Uh, it's not a six win team. You can't even look at that Notre Dame performance and say that's a six win team. Uh, we had eight win team. I said we got okay, Carolina. That's a dude. Uh, like people crazy if they think we losing to Carolina. I don't even know why we six point favorite. That thing they got going to Chapel Hill, dead and stinking. Larry Fedora is an idiot who don't believe in C- – he don't believe CTE is uh, linked to football. Yeah. You can't ever trust a man that coach like that. He, I saw him in the summertime. He was cooking Flanders burgers. Dude was crazy. Like, <laughs> after we put 60 on their head again, um, it's eight-win team, man. It's eight-win team. Well, it, it was Whether it that includes wins? the bowl game or not. Yeah. Yeah, eight wins. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah, because we got GT, BC, Pitt, Miami, and UVA after UNC. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting because we got those three running teams, and then we play Miami. So I'm a little worried we could be beat up by the time we get to Miami. You got to play GT after the bye, so hopefully we're going into Georgia Tech fully healthy. But then you got BC and probably AJ Dillon. He he's a little banged up right now, but he'll probably be back by then. And then at Pitt, and the only mm-hmm. thing Pitt does good because they stink too, is run the football, and they got some big backs. So, how do you think we're gonna fare? I mean, we're already thin. Does that make you nervous? Well, I'm nervous going in every game with the depth we got. Um, you you lose one uh, defensive tackle to Georgia Tech, you might see me out there playing D tackle. Boy, that's, that's how bad it is. But um, no, nah, we're putting, I think we're we, putting I think Bud we'll Foster out, out those there. Games. <laughs> Well, Bud out there, because Bud, the one that's supposed to be recruiting and get having us having us spot with DT, so put his ass out there. But um, no, nah, man, I, I feel good. Man. I, we might we might catch an L to Georgia Tech because why not? Right. But uh, Fuente hasn't beaten him yet. <laughs> but um, I feel good. I feel good, man. The L's might be Georgia Tech, Miami, and that might be it. We ain't losing the UVA. I hope. I hope not. Pull the plug on the whole operation. Pull the plug on the whole operation if we lose it on. Yeah. Pull the plug, man. Well, it's they're looking pretty good, and they have you know VT's kryptonite in the running quarterback. Although they haven't played a super tough schedule, and what? Who did they just lose to, Robbie? I can't remember. But they they didn't cover the spread. NC State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's who it was. And um, yeah, th- if. This could be the year just because we're so young. And if we take, say, Ricky Walker goes down and uh, Bryce Watts goes down, like, okay, then <laughs> UVA could beat us. But I, I'm kind of. Right, no more. We've, we've lost enough players. No more talking about <laughs> potentially sorry. losing. No, what, we ain't even about to entertain losing to UVA. It's not happening. We ain't even about to entertain it. So you don't entertain losing to UNC or UVA, but potentially there's one or two more on a schedule, in your opinion. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I got you. I got you. So let's let's take one more look at this Notre Dame game, and just from a program side of it, and like losing these big focus games. You know, we're playing a top ten team. Everyone's watching Saturday night. Mm-hmm. The ratings are huge, and we blow it again. Do you? Does that? Obviously, it frustrates all of us. But do you think it's like? The sky is falling, or do you think we just ran into a good team and it, it doesn't really change your perception going forward? Nah, I think it hurts. I think it, uh, when you got all them recruits in there and they see that, it's a bad look. It's one thing to lose. You lose a Notre Dame, you lost to a top 16. Right, it happens. But when you get flicked, it's like, man, recruits like to ride the wave, and you know they want to make sure that they for three, four years it's going to be lit. So when they look at your team get flexed, it's like, I don't know. I mean, just, I mean, put it on the flip side. We played Florida State on Labor Day. They had uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. Is that his name? Whatever his name yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number one, number one recruit in the nation. All of a sudden, he don't quite know where he want to go. Man, dumb type of losses do matter, though. They do. And it's funny you mentioned Florida State because same stage and – Fuente was talking about this on Tech Talk Live. Like, all of everyone says he can't like win that big game. You know, the, his two big games are 
Clemson at home, number two, and Notre Dame at home just this past week, you know, number six. But, you know, we went into West Virginia, and before that game, everyone's like, this is a huge game, ranked team. He wins. That was a big game. It was. And and he wins, and then it's like, uh, well, West Virginia, no, they're, they're not that good this year. And same thing with Florida State. Huge game. Everyone's highly anticipating it. Two top 20 teams. We win. He wins the big game on the road. It was big. I put out a tweet. I put out a poll before that game because I said, is this a big game? Yes, no, or you don't care. And the poll came back, yes. So I said, I don't want to hear shit afterwards saying it was just Florida State. So, yeah, it was a big game. Yeah, and and Fuente made that point. And, and Robbie, I want to – like, he even got maybe a little bit – I wouldn't say defensive is the right word, but when he was talking about it, he was like, listen, I've lost – Two games at Virginia Tech, you know, the two big games, like, you know, to the top 10 teams. And it's a number two Clemson team, and it's a number six Notre Dame team who's really good when we're depleted on defense. He's like, we're just, we're not there yet. He said, he said those words. He said, we're not there yet. And he's like, don't put Ohio State on me. I wasn't here for that. And uh, I, I was interested to hear Robbie's thoughts on that because he was, I would, like I said, defensive isn't the right word, but he's just like pointing out the facts and he's right. And he said, don't, he's, you know, I have big wins, you know? So what do you think about that, Robbie? He's pointing out the facts, but it, it's just never a good look to get defensive, right? Like he's got, he, he's making, what's his contract? Four million bucks a year. Three and so a half, four, yeah, something like that. Three and a half. He's making that much to inherit the problems were not problems of the program that he inherited, right? Like he inherited something. So to that irks me to say, Hey, you know what? We're not there. If he just said, Hey, we're not there yet. We're a young team. We're getting there and we're going to win games. I'd be like, all right, cool to be like, Oh, well we've only lost two and it starts to sound defensive. Just get the fuck over it. Like, Realize that you're getting paid to inherit everything that comes to the program. You think Arkansas, like going into Arkansas is a great program to like inherit, even though you're getting paid five million bucks a year, you're getting paid five million bucks a year to go into Arkansas because it fucking sucks. (laughs) And because you have to like, you win at in the SEC and go up against Alabama. That's why you're getting paid that money. So now that doesn't work. It doesn't fly. It's not cool. Like, don't defend. You look like cowardice and shy if, like, you go that direction. Just say, hey, we're a young team. We hope to do better the next time that those opportunities come around. That's all you have to say. Guess what? I'm not a speech coach. I'm not a fucking anything. But that's all you have to say is, you know, this is what you have to do moving forward. And this is what we hope to do moving forward. Don't start talking about what your record is when you're in year three. That's insane. Okay, and I, I do kind of have just a little counter to that, and it's a little bit different. But for example, Dabo is a big like we've done this guy. He's a big like you know we've been ranked eight you know hundred weeks in the AP poll, and we've beaten South Carolina six years in a row. And and you know when the guy brought up the question about Clemsoning in the press conference, I think it was David Hale, and he was just like, you know what? And he went off mm-hmm. like with stat after stat. These coaches know their records, and they're not afraid to say it. The difference, I think was Dabo had already been successful when that happened. And Fuente still has That's my point. One seven years in. Game. So seven Fuente years in, he off. said yeah. that. I mean, that's, I agree with you. I, and Dabo had every right to say that. I agree. And, but it was also because he was in year seven. Yeah. And he had done that. He had produced like, 
you just got to put a little bit more out there before you go out like defend like defending yourself in year three is a little bit you know suspect and all right one more question for Don. Say he only lost they say he only lost the uh to, to who he say he lost to Notre Dame and Clemson Clemson like dog you lost the ODU a couple weeks ago my boy I don't want to hear <laughs> nothing about no losses man once you lose the ODU you don't get the critique or, or you don't get no you don't get no pull on no losses my boy you can't be out here losing to no ODU my boy or Syracuse we don't do that but what was you about to ask Oh, so Syracuse. yeah. One more question for Don, uh, and this is just kind of for fun. The next three to five years, we'll just go five. Do you think Virginia Tech can make the playoff? Do you, Do you think it's a possibility? I know. No. 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 Okay. No. I I, I think you got to recruit. You got to got to risk it to get the biscuit. <laughs> you you do. We do have to recruit better. We have to continue recruiting better. It's making a step up every week. I. I would say in the next five years, it is a possibility because if you win the ACC and you have one loss, there's a you're probably in the playoff. It's probably like a eighty percent chance you're in the playoff if you do that. Uh, so I think it's very much a possibility. Is it likely? Is kind of a different question. Um, <laughs> probably not likely, but I, I I think it's a possibility, and I I don't know if I could put a percent on it. Robbie. What do you think about that? I think that our chances of making the playoff are 2020, and if it doesn't happen then, then it's not going to happen. But given the youth, you think of this that's team, the window? Like that? You think that 2020 is the year just based on our team makeup? Yeah, absolutely. It's 100 percent based on the the makeup, the youth. When like the younger players are going to be have enough experience. If we don't do, if we don't make a run at it, I'm not saying we'll make it. If we don't make a run at it in 2020, it's not happening. Basically, well, in, in my opinion, this has been the most unusual youthful team that Virginia Tech has experienced in a long time. Um, they're they're going to be the most experienced starters that have ever seen the field in terms of depth uh, for Virginia Tech. And if we don't, I think we're you know to to the to the point that was just made by Don. I don't think it, I don't think it has. If and I'm saying to make a run at it, I don't think it can happen. Well, five years puts us into QP's redshirt senior season. Do you believe in Quincy Patterson, Don? I'm guessing you don't. <laughs> no, nah, uh, no, nah, I got no problem with Quincy Patterson. It's just um, I haven't seen enough of them to make a statement. Yeah. You know, like a none of us have. And down the road, yeah, I just and think then guys transfer, guys get hurt. You just never, you know. Yeah, you just you just don't think it's it's ha- we we're not recruiting at a high enough level to get there to compete with Clemson and Florida we're not State. recruiting at a high enough level. Absolutely, you got to have those Clemson. Like if you look at all the playoff teams, even the worst. Who was the worst playoff team? Like I, I guess Florida State, Michigan State, the first one. and uh, Florida State, Michigan, Michigan State, State yeah. Washington, and Washington. Yeah, yeah. and even WVU was, WVU this year, which is we're recruiting. They, we've recruited better than them. WVU not making the playoffs. You want to bet? WVU ain't gonna make it out of November. West Virginia. You want to bet? How let me Don, in November? Don, you want to bet? How that West Virginia makes the playoffs? Yeah. What you want me to do? Oklahoma just got smoked money. by Texas. We, we can, we can come up with something. We can come up with something. Robbie was talking about this when we, we were We can in come now. up with something. West Virginia's the the worst part of their schedule is in November. They're not making it out of November. 
Yeah, I mean Texas looks I bet good. My life, I bet my life on it. Oklahoma looks good, obviously. Oklahoma State's not an easy out. They haven't played TCU yet, I don't think. So it's interesting. Uh, we'll we'll, uh, we'll see if we can come up with something, a little friendly wager between Don come and Robbie. Up with, about come, up with, come up with something. <laughs> West Virginia? Yeah. Well, that got me tight, man. West Virginia, we don't want to see West Virginia prosper at anything. West Virginia fan threw a beer bottle at me last year. At the game. I, hey, I'm not, supporting West Vir- I'm not supporting West Virginia. My point was that they don't recruit no. very well, yeah. but they somehow have put together like a team that's pretty decent so like that was my point on the playoffs is like yeah you know, and also if you have that elite quarterback you can sometimes exceed far above your level that's what tech did with michael vick i mean marcus Mariota in oregon like those teams even that auburn team that won it all it's like that's only because of cam newton the quarterback is the difference and that's why i brought up quincy patterson because if he lives up to that elite oh, 11 okay. hype down the road maybe he yeah. could drag us there or any quarterback, any quarterback in that, that comes into tech. In that bid. Yeah. I mean, in look how. Look what, no, not with Virginia, though. Look what Gerard Evans was able to do with, you know, <laughs> Fuente's first year. Like, a good quarterback can take you so much farther than you should go. All right. Uh, yeah, right, though. Anyway. All right. Don, your podcast. Tell us what you got going on, like what it's about, and, um, you know, if you got anything coming up. Well, my podcast is. Um, I call it a culture podcast because I don't do Virginia Tech topics every week. You know, it'd be unfair for me to call it a Virginia Tech podcast, but uh, I just, it's just a it's a culture podcast. The Kardashians do something, I'll talk about it. Uh, Kanye do something, I, I try to stay away from Kanye topics because he uh, can I call him a coon up here? <laughs> I call him a, he's, a, he's, a fuck, he's a fucking coon ass, whatever. But uh, it's a culture podcast. I like to do sports, music everything uh i try to keep it short uh we try to keep it very uh inclusive uh everybody can listen to it women can listen to it gay people can listen to it trans people black people white people muslims i'm for down v fridays for the culture man we for everybody i like that i like that and i have listened to some of you you know i wasn't all up on the charlemagne news um until i listened to the one with florida state <laughs> Uh, and you know, there, there is some interesting stuff in there and, um, it's Charlemagne going at Eminem is not, uh, it's not cool. I mean, he got, he just got, he just got broke after that. True. And MGK too. I, that was, uh, it's, it's me and Robbie do love rap and stuff. And, but Don is the, he's the one you should go to listen to for that kind of information. Um, anyway, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you guys. I love what y'all are doing. I'm humble to have y'all even consider me to have me up to you it's a blessing no problem uh, at you're, all, you're you're the you're the best and probably the funniest uh the funniest guy we've had on the podcast because this was awesome and great content and also a little off the uh off the radar which is what we were hoping for during uh during a lost week we just gotta like let ourselves live in uh a little bit of laughter so it was it was funny as hell all right, buddy. Thank we'll- you, guys. God bless y'all. God bless the show. Yep, we'll do it again soon, Don. Have a good one. Well, that was great, Robbie. I don't know about you. I thought that was a great interview. Let's take a quick beer break before we, uh, you know, unpack it a little bit and go over UNC. What are you drinking? So I got the Deschutes. Um, it's the Fresh Haze, the Hazy IPA. They're out of Bend, Oregon. Uh, I love the Deschutes Fresh Squeezed, and this is their Hazy IPA. It's pretty 
it's pretty delicious actually um and uh no no doubt because fresh squeeze is one of my favorite beers so they kept it up i i wouldn't put it at the top of the list but it's pretty good how about you i am drinking division order from triple crossing brewing triple crossing brewing <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> from triple crossing brewing out of richmond uh division order it's really good eight percent alcohol it's a double ipa my buddy nick who was down for uh the notre dame game gave this one to me when we were in blacksburg brought it back i had to drink it first thing he said it was good it's it's amazing it's it's got that good fruity pop it kind of tastes like a lot of the other new england's that are good like it probably tastes like some of the the tree houses you've had or you know some of the tired hands that i've had but it is, it's quite good. Anything I've gotten from Triple Crossing usually is pretty high quality. I, I like that brewery quite a bit. So, yeah, the division order, awesome. 8% alcohol, yeah. I'm getting after it a little bit tonight, Robbie. There you go. All right, let's move on to North Carolina. Saturday, October 13th, 7 p.m., another night game, Robbie. Georgia Tech's going to be at night. We just played two night games in a row. Florida State was at night. I think, what, there's potential for Miami to be at night. UVA, sometimes on that Black Friday, is at night. Like, we can end up with a ton of night games this year. How do you feel about that? Um, well, in a year that we were playing a little bit better, then I would be more pumped up about it. So, you know, just... But I, it's always good for the program for us to be out there. I have a feeling that people are going to get a little annoyed seeing uh, VT out there at night all the time. So, uh, I... I actually wish that we had a new more nooners and three thirty games given the youth of the team and the way that we're playing. But you know, who knows? We're two and in the ACC, so we'll see what happens for the rest of the year. So coming into the year, there wasn't very high expectations for UNC. In fact, most people had them, you know, middle of the pack. Athlon had them at 69th and Phil Steele was a little bit higher. He had them at like 45 in his power pole, just a few spots behind us. He thought they, might actually finish ahead of us in the coastal um, to the point that he thought they'd finish second, which I, is kind of flabbergasting when, when you think about it, but he was banking on Larry Fedora. He was banking on the talent. And if you look at their talent, they do, they do have a lot of guys that are highly recruited. They're 29th in the two, four, seven, seven talent composite. And we are actually two spots below that at 31. So they're, they're right on par with us in terms of talent it's just that some people believe in Larry Fedora quite a bit more than uh, I think you and I do. In this season, they're one and three. The win is over Pitt, which, to be quite honest, is impressive when you consider they lost to ECU, got destroyed by Miami, and they lost to Cal. And that game against Pitt was at home. So they're actually one and zero at home, and we are going to Keenan, a stadium that just decreased its capacity by 12,000 seats. That um, yeah, the 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 pit game is the anomaly I think of the year. I can't figure out how they kept even that close because I, I I thought Pitt was gonna steamroll them. So great on your thirty eight thirty five game that you you had, but even that was close. So there hasn't been a whole lot that's been impressive from this team so thus far. No, I, their defense hasn't been great, and the offense has been significantly worse. They're 104th in S&P Plus on offense, and that has led to a lot of different issues. And part of the problem is they didn't have their starting quarterback when the season started. They wanted to be starting Chaz Surratt, but he was part of the players that were suspended for selling their shoes 
online. And so he didn't start the season. Nathan Elliott did. Elliott threw four picks against Cal. And even after that, and he played well in some games, but he's only has 109, 110 rating on the year as a passer. And he doesn't run nearly as well as Surratt. Surratt's the better runner. He's the bigger quarterback. He's the more talented guy, but Surratt can't throw. So they have two quarterbacks, but they really have zero quarterbacks. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I agree. Uh, the, the easiest way is, you know, people are like, well, you know, he has four interceptions. And it's like, well, how many touchdowns has he thrown? He's thrown three. So that that's usually a statistic that I like to keep high on my radar is what your TD to interception ratio is, is usually a good uh, indication of how you're doing on the year. So it's three to four for him. Well, Surratt was looking pretty good in the Miami game running, and then he threw two touchdown passes. Uh, oh, um. They, they were actually touchdown passes for Miami because he threw two pick sixes in the game. And somehow, somehow, he has a higher QBR than Elliott, even after throwing two pick sixes and not really throwing for any good yardage whatsoever. His running alone has dragged his QBR to 45, and I think Elliott's is a 44.5. So they are both yeah. the same level of suck. Uh, and it, it was just the one game for Surratt, first game back down in Miami. That's not a great... That's not a great uh, situation for him whatsoever, but he played really, really poorly. Yeah. And on offense, I think the only, I mean, there's a couple of bright spots, but there are very few and far between. Um, Antonio Williams with 43 carries, 281 yards and three TDs. That's good. Yeah. I mean, the, the, I mean, that's, he's been the highlight, I think. Um, and behind him, Jordan Brown, with another 34 carries for 137 and two TDs. So the the run game has actually outperformed probably everything on this offense. Um, and we, I don't really necessarily think that the uh, passing has uh, followed suit, if you will. No, no, it hasn't. And they, the only weapon they have in terms of the wide receivers that you really, really need to worry about is Anthony Ratliff-Williams. He He's dynamic as hell. Daz Newsom is good, but Ratliff-Williams is the one that scares you. He's got a 20-yard uh, per catch average, and I, I think you can pretty much count on him having a huge game against Virginia Tech. Let, let's, <laughs> If you think about what we're doing on defense, and then you look at Ratliff-Williams, and you hear Fuente talk about Ratliff-Williams in, <laughs> in the Tech Talk Live, yeah, I'm scared of him. And I, you can kind of tell coach is scared of him as well so he will have two 45 yard catches in that game like by that that's just almost guaranteed because he's a deep threat as well so it's going to be like two big big catches for him i would expect that elliot or surat whoever it is as a whole their quarterbacks will only complete maybe 40 to 50 percent of their passes but the ones that they do complete could be to ratliff williams for tds so you just double team him or something. I don't know what you have to do, but don't let him hurt you to the point where you end up losing the game. You need to contain him. The running game isn't terrible, like you said. So there's a little something there, but our run defense, when we're not facing super top backs like Cam Akers and Dexter Williams, we've hemmed everyone in. On 157 carries this year, we've given up two yards per carry. On two carries this year, we've given up 91 yards per carry. So by and large, we are just stuffing teams so, so well in the run game, and that's kind of the best part of their offense. So shut down their run, 
and shut down UNC. That, that, I think that's that's kind of how it's going to go. You basically just described in like five seconds what Bud Foster's defense does. Then <laughs> that's it. We contain the 99%. The 1% goes for long, long, long yardage. That's in the way it's, you know, <laughs> we, we break, but uh, we don't bend. That's, that's, yes. that's basically, <laughs> yeah. and that's always been the way he's run his off or his defense. Sorry. No, it's true. As for their O-line, we thought it wouldn't be very good coming into the year. Somehow they're 15th in sacks allowed. But if you go to the tackles for loss allowed, they're 112th in FBS. So uh, maybe they're doing a lot of like quarterback runs that are designed runs so they don't get counted as sacks, but they're essentially sacks because they're giving up 7.5 tackles for loss per game. So the, the O-line is not good. They, like that, that sack stat is deceiving. They have okay talent, a couple playmakers, but no QB and a bad OL. So let's let's move on to the defense. The defense has been better. I, without Gene Chizik, typically UNC has been horrible on defense. And this year, through just four games, through you know the, the scheduling quirk of the hurricane and then having a bye, they've only played four games. But the defense has looked mediocre. Not bad, but mediocre, which for UNC is an upgrade. Yeah, basically I wrote here, I'll read the bullet. The offense is horrible and the defense is slightly better. Is that a compliment? I'm not sure. That's what I wrote. <laughs> it's true. Somehow they're 50th in opposing passer rating. So something in their back end, whether it's the new safety and J.K. Britt, who's starting over Miles Dorn, or some of the younger guys, uh, Miles Wolferk, uh, they're doing something right back there. And the that is ahead of their rush defense. And if you look at UNC's rush defense, they finished last in the ACC the last five years in rush yards per game. And they're currently 12th out of 14 in the ACC. So again, that's where they struggle. This is the game where Fuente needs to recommit to the run. I, I think we all want to see the ball run a little bit more. And we definitely don't want to see 50 passes again. I know you don't want to see it because you're recording all the passes for the stats. <laughs> Well, I, I'm mixed on this. So they got Malik Carney, the defense, defensive end that has five and a half tackles for loss and three and a half sacks, two forced fumbles. They have uh, Holcomb, who's pretty good at linebacker. But where I, I don't want to see that happen. But the weird part is, is their defensive backs based on S&P are 115th in the nation. So they are that have the worst defensive backs in terms of S&P rankings, which are a little bit different in terms That's of what people are looking, um, which I was surprised because I I didn't actually expect to, to see that. So now I'm wondering if we are just... They also have you know Tom and Fox, which is not to be confused with Coleman Fox, uh, <laughs> that has four tackles for a loss and a sack as well. But I, I, I'm a, I don't know how we're going to attack this, quite yeah. frankly, and I'll just play play ignorant because we may start passing the ball just because their defensive backs aren't that great because up front in the middle, that's where they've actually made a lot of plays. What's mysterious about UNC is that a lot of the guys were suspended for selling the shoes, as we mentioned. And Malik Carney, he has those five and a half tackles for loss in just two games. And Taman Fox, he has those four tackles for loss you mentioned in three games. So the actual stats per game 
are a lot better uh, because at this point in the season, me and you are looking at totals. We're always looking at totals, and you know we can kind of compare team to team. But for this team, it's it's weird because the guys have been coming in and out of the lineup due to the suspensions and playing at a high level, some of them, in particular Malik Carney. That's the one guy on the defensive line that could cause a little bit of havoc for Willis. And uh, it's that's that's the mysterious part about them. Are they going to be uh, way better because now they've had a bye week? And everyone's back from the suspensions, and they're way healthier than they were last year because they were so incredibly beat up last year. I'm not sure we've ever seen injury reports like that. That's that's the scary part. That's the part that is such an unknown, even four and five games in the season for these respective teams. I couldn't agree more. I mean, that, that you just hit it right on the head. Is what are we dealing with now versus what was this team when it started the season because of the fact that people have to sell their shoes to make money and um, they should be allowed to because, you know, whatever. They're their shoes. But, <laughs> but my, they are their property and then they sold them. But it, I totally agree with what you just said. Is is I don't know if this team is still developing. I know it's healthier. I know it's more, you know, um, you know, there's everybody's back and we're going to have to see what ends up happening on the field. So it is a little bit of a mystery what we're going to see on, in, on Saturday. Their special teams. And this is the first special teams. I think that's been ranked ahead of us in the S and P plus they're 14th in the S and P plus right now. And we dropped a ton because of our two missed field goals in the last game. So they actually have very stout special teams and with Anthony Ratliff-Williams being an all-ACC returner, that's something to watch in this game as well. Overall, I I think we're going to win the game. Like I, I do think, and we'll get to the picks in a little bit. Um, you know, the Virginia Tech's almost a six-point favorite. It's at five and a half right now. I think we're going to win the game. I think their offense will have moments, but they'll also struggle. Their QB should be running for his life, whoever it is, because I think we're really, Bud's going to kind of like let the dogs off in this game. Like they're going to be off the leash and we're going to be trying to sack that quarterback and hit him over and over again, just like we did last year. Cause I think we knocked Surratt out of the game last year. I would not want to be on the UNC side of the football for this game. No, it's going to be, Especially with the fan support and how much the players said that they like were appreciated all the fans, they feel like they kind of let a, the fans. It's. Uh, I think this game could get really ugly. I think there's going to be a lot of momentum, and I think that there's going to be young players that perform really well in this game and keep their head right. Um, in my opinion, so it could get sloppy. I, I hope you're right. I hope that I think you mean that in the sense that we, you know, go to work on them and just destroy it the whole time. Uh, I hope that's the case. They're giving up almost 210 rushing yards per game. We have to at least get to 200. Peoples, McLeese, Wheatley, let them do their thing. And Willis, he's he's going to have his moments just like the UNC uh, offense will. I and. Think about the two defenses he's had to play so far. He's had to play a tough, stout Duke defense and Notre Dame, like a top 10 unit, no doubt about it. And he's fared well. No, Notre Dame wasn't a fantastic success, but he played well. 
how many yards would you put over under on Willis? I think we're gonna I think we're gonna run the ball a lot. I'm gonna say Willis comes in around two sixty. I think he puts up three hundred and fifty yards in this game. Oh. How That's much does Hazelton have? <laughs> Probably three hundred and <laughs> three hundred and forty-nine of those yards. <laughs> uh no, but no joke. I think um I think knowing Willis's attitude and you could see it during that game that he wants to win that he, and I know some of those were designed plays, but some of he's going to go, he's going to try and go to town on in this game. And I think quite frankly, I think Fuente is going to let him be, just get his confidence back. I hope he and the team have a big bounce back in the game. That's, that's for sure. I, I'm expecting a little bit more of a hard fought game mainly because we're coming off a physical uh, Notre Dame team and they didn't play. So they've only played four football games. Think about how much healthier you know, you'd know you be if you played like two less football games than every other team in America at this point. So that's the only reason and the fact that they're at home, although Keenan is not an advantage really. So let's just take that out of it. Um, it, it they had a week off. We're beat up. That That's kind of where why I'm coming in a little bit more like, I just want to get down there and get the win and get the hell home. I, I don't think it's going to be the 59 to 7 like last year. I, and I don't think you think necessarily that, but you, you're expecting kind of a big margin. No, no, no. I'm talking about the offense. That's all I'm talking I'm not ta- I'd never mentioned the defense. I think it could be a close game. I, I, I'm not 100% certain, certain what UNC is going to put out there. I was just speaking to what our offense is going to do. And I think there's going to be high production from our offense if. Um, you know, if that's my guess. So uh, well, I think it'll. Yeah, I, I, I think I know what you're saying. And we know that Fuente loves to kill this team. So if he has a chance to step on the throat at any point, he's going to take it. We've won the last two games, 93 to 10. <laughs> so uh, he loves killing them. And I'm hoping that we maintain the momentum against UNC that we've had. We're 11 and three against them since joining the ACC. Like that's pretty astounding. Um, let's go down there and let's take care of our business. One more quick beer break before we do our picks. Pete, what are you having over there? I am having the Dock Street Bohemian Pilsner. This couldn't be more different than the first beer I've had. So the first beer is from Richmond. This beer is from Philadelphia. Dock Street's a local brewery for me up here, and I tried to do a local brewery for the majority of our listeners by doing a Richmond beer, but Dock Street's been doing some good stuff for a while up here, and I I just had like a fruity IPA, and going from that to the Pilsner, it's kind of a shock, but some Pilsners are too bitter. This one is, is really tasty. Dock Street's been around for a little while. Philly has, and just like every other major city, they're all blowing up with breweries. And I like to go to the ones that have been around just like a little bit longer. And and that's what Dock Street is in Philly. This is 5% alcohol, only 35 IBUs. So like I said, it's not bitter whatsoever. Pretty tasty. Dock Street Bohemian Pilsner. Robbie, what are you having? So I'm drinking um, a terrible idea, hazy IPA. <laughs> that is uh, pretty good. After inventing the triangle wheel, we begin to wonder if it was a terrible idea. Was their logo? It's 21st Amendment, which some people may know, some may not. It's from 
I think it's out in California. I was looking at the label and I was trying to remember because I I'm actually don't like 21st Amendment that much, but I was giving them another chance with this beer. And it's pretty delicious. I think um, I would I would rank this pretty highly for a hazy IPA, and it's uh, I like it a lot. And surprisingly, I try to keep an open mind when I uh, when I pop the top on it. So um, we're both 21st of the beers Amendment. you had tonight uh, named hazy, hazy IPA in some regard. Yes, both were hazy IPAs. I was in a rush. Because, well, I mean, my uh, first one was a hazy IPA. I just didn't have it in the title. I think yours actually were both named that. Yes, I think they both have uh, this one's six and a half percent, and it has hazy IPA right underneath. But uh, yeah, so if you're upset about that, then um, I spent three and a half hours watching uh, Ryan Willis <laughs> or Willis throw passes all uh, afternoon trying to get my stats together. So I was a little bit rushed at the beer store. So I just grabbed the two things that were closest to me. No harm in that, man. Let's do our picks. Virginia Tech, five and a half point favorites over UNC in Chapel Hill. I'll go first. I'm going to take Virginia Tech to cover. I don't necessarily think it's going to be by a lot. I want to, I want to win by one point. I, that, let's get that straight. Like We need to just get a win before the bye week, before the onslaught and the rushing attacks of Georgia Tech, BC, and Pitt. So I do think we'll cover just because Fuente after a loss is usually pretty darn good and we own the state of North Carolina in general, and the record says that. So I'm going to take VT to cover. What do you got, Robbie? I have the same. VT to cover. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be that pretty, but I think we'll get the five and a half. All right, next game, Duke at Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech coming off the huge win against Louisville. Uh, I mean huge in terms of the score they put up. They put up 66 points. Duke, I think they had a bye after our game. So... They're fresh, going to to uh, to Atlanta. Two and a half point underdogs are the Blue Devils. What do you got? Um, well, I've picked all of your games, so I'm actually kind of interested whether I got them all right. So uh, I might have to reverse some of them if you choose something else. But uh, Duke uh, on this game, I am also taking Duke. I, I just, know because I already wrote it in. So, <laughs> and I don't know your picks. That that's the funny part is, but I I know your mentality. So I'm trying to guess what you're going to pick. I just think that line is a bit of an overreaction to killing a bad Louisville team. And Duke's linebackers and line are good enough to shut down the triple option. Uh, they they already had to play a triple option team in an army. And army has played very well this year. So I, I think they're ready for Georgia Tech. Next game is Louisville at BC. BC is 13.5-point favorites against the worst team in the ACC, the Louisville Cardinal. I'm going to take BC. I think A.J. Dillon will be healthy, and they're just going to cruise. What do you got? Uh, yeah, I had you chalked for BC, and I'm picking BC as well. So uh, I don't like this, this about you picking my picks. <laughs> I, know, I know, but I already know you're going to pick. So this is how long we've been doing this. So... And I know I've picked one, two. We have four more games I've already picked for you, and let's see if I get them right. So, um, right. next game, Pitt at Notre Dame. Notre Dame just beat us. They are number five now, and they are twenty-one point favorites at home against Pitt. To me, that seems like too many points in what is always a problem game for Notre Dame. 
They're coming off two huge wins. This is during the day, maybe a little sleepy. I'm taking Pitt. All right. I wrote you in for Pitt, uh, and I'm also taking Pitt. So it's going to get a little boring here from here yeah, on out. Yeah, we're all picking the same games, the same teams. Well, I mean, these are just like it, it, ever after that game against Virginia Tech, you have to take Pitt there because it just makes the most right. sense. If you're going to be betting, then that's the right thing to do. Louisville is just a disaster right now. They are a dumpster fire. Bobby Petrino, it's going to get fired next week, potentially. Right. And then if you roll it back, Georgia Tech just played the game of their lifetime, and they are they, they, they you can't sustain that. They they won by what fifty five points or something along those lines. So when you roll it back, it all kind of makes sense. Yeah. Next game, Miami at UVA. This is kind of interesting. This has uh, coastal implications. Miami number sixteen, a six and a half point favorite over the home Cavaliers. I want you to pick first on this one. I'm taking Miami. I am also taking Miami. I know, because I already wrote it in. <laughs> I, yeah, they just have so much firepower, and I know UVA has improved this year. Uh, UVA coming off of a bye, so maybe there's a little something there, them at home. Uh, Miami's just too good, and their defense is too good. I think they'll be able to hem in Perkins, and it, it, they won't have too much of a problem covering that six and a half. So here we go. Now, before you chime in, the two games, if everybody thinks that we just like think the same way in terms of in-conference, the next two games are out of conference. One's SEC and one's Big Ten. And I've already written in what the picks are for Pete. So we'll see if it matches the rationale that I think he's going to use. So this is going to be good. SEC first. Georgia at LSU. Georgia is number two and LSU is number 13. Georgia seven and a half point favorites on the road. I'm taking LSU in Death Valley. I think that's <laughs> too many points. They you're giving me the hook. I, I a, home, a home LSU with the hook. I I can't not do it. At seven and a half. So I'm taking LSU. I had you down for Georgia. So right, just to sweet. show that this was a legit experiment. Uh, yeah, I had you down for uh, for Georgia. I have Georgia. Okay. Uh, not for for any good reason other than um, I mean they look pretty good. They didn't look great last week, but they look I mean really really solid. And they're doing it on both sides of the ball. It's both hard in to the run judge. and the pass. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to judge those really really good teams when they're not locked in. You know, like yeah. it, it, when you're up and then all of a sudden a team starts. Like, it, it's hard to really know, and that's why you can't bet on those games because you know there's going to be garbage time, and it, it's just really difficult. Last game we're going to pick, Wisconsin at Michigan. This is a very big game in this conference. Both these teams have one loss already, so essentially it's going to eliminate someone from playoff chances. Wisconsin's number 15, Michigan's number 12, and Michigan is 7.5-point favorites at home. Go first, Robbie. Uh, you want me to go? Uh, I have Michigan. I, I think that they are their their defense is you know, at worst uh, suffocating, at best stifling that uh, uh, opponents. So I do not anticipate this to be a high scoring game. So I'm and I hate Harbaugh, 
more than anything, but I'm going with Michigan here. I think I'm going to invent my own uh, terminology for this game. Take the points in a rock fight, and I think that's what this could end up being. Michigan's defense is stellar, and Wisconsin's offense has been suspect. So I don't know how many points Wisconsin's going to be able to put up, but I think I think their defense will show. Uh, I know that's also been – it's been different for Wisconsin this year, and they still only have the one loss, and they beat a good Iowa team. So I'm, I'm just going to take those points. It's Again, it's 7.5. You're giving me a hook against like a slugfest-type game. I'm taking the points. Wisconsin. All right. Who who do you have for me on that last one? Uh, I had Michigan. I thought you were going to go Harbaugh. All right. So in conference, you nailed every one of my picks. Out of conference, yes. we're a little bit harder pre- to predict for one another. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was a good podcast. Don was a great guest. Uh, I'm bummed about last week's game. I, we kind of... Knew that that was going to be tough before the season started. Talked ourselves into maybe pulling off the upset. And, of course, yet again, it didn't happen. However, 2-0 in conference, plenty to play for. The Coastal is still at stake. I'm excited about the UNC game. I really want to get this win and get to the bye week because I think if we can do that, we can go on a little bit of a run. I think Georgia Tech with Fuente not beating them, he's going to be very focused. We're going to be able to take them down at home this year. I want to go on a run here. But it starts in UNC, and I, I like our chances down there. I agree. All right, man. I will talk to you next week. Make sure you guys hit us up on 2DVT at gmail.com or at 2DVT on Twitter, at 2DVT on Instagram. We're on there as well. Robbie's updating the stats on our website, 2DVT.com. Um I don't think I missed anything else. Make sure to uh, subscribe and rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts because that helps us out. So that's awesome. Hope you enjoyed the podcast this week. We will be back early next week because I'm going on vacation. We'll be recording. If all things go correctly, we'll be recording Sunday night and posting early in the week with our UNC recap and then coming back two days before Georgia Tech with a preview of that game. So uh, early next week and then a little bit later the week after that. So just keep keep that in mind. I'm going on a little bit of vacation and uh, you know we, we got to live our lives too during the bye week. <laughs> Till next time, go Hokies.